Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's Scripture Reflections. Hello and welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the young, hip, and lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. And I am very happy to be with you. Um, I'm, we're, you're catching us listeners in the middle of a very heated argument, um, which is whether or not <laughs> things like uh, carbonated water, seltzer water, coffee, uh, if these things still hydrate you, I maintain that even in the face of science that these are basically water and they have to, right? Wait, well, I guess we agree, but (laughs) But we're just very angry about the people who say it's not. Our producer was suggesting, Maggie was suggesting that maybe there's a chance it doesn't, and we're just going to refuse to listen to her. So I would be like a shriveled husk if coffee and seltzer water did not hydrate me because it's all I drink. Yeah. So if you agree with us, let us know right in. But if you have real (laughs) scientific information to disprove what we believe, please just stay away. Um, but anyway, it's good to be with you, Ashley. <laughs> Hydrated as we yeah, are, great. Uh, which yep. is uh, <laughs> we've got a great episode. This is actually segues perfect into our guest this week. Oh yes, it does. We are talking to Tracy G. She is an on-air personality for Sirius XM's Sway in the Morning and the host of the podcast She's Beauty and the Beast. And you may be wondering, what does that have to do with water? <laughs> Well, yes, that is a good question. But Tracy G is really phenomenal. She is she calls herself a wellness artist, and so you know we're we're talking and during the time of Lent, and while there aren't you, you know the motivations behind wellness culture and Lenten spiritual practices are different, uh, there are a lot of parallels which we which we try to unpack. and And Tracy G has a real unique approach to wellness cu- culture, which I found very refreshing because I know that. I oftentimes find stuff that I I'm really I don't know hesitant or skeptical of and and she brings a really fresh careful approach to it I thought. Yeah. And one of those things is drinking water. So that's what we're drinking this week. <laughs> yeah, so we're we are trying to just stay hydrated, happy um with carbonated water. Hopefully it's working. Um because I think both of us have seltzer, but anyway, uh, cheers to cheers to water. Yep. <laughs> keeping us hydrated. But before we get to our conversation with Tracy G, we wanted to give you a few words about our sponsor this week. So I think all of us can remember those moments, uh, either in school or in life, where you, you see something or you have this fact and, it, and, and the light bulb goes off, right? Right? We call those these aha moments, you know? Um, well, I I have been lacking of those in my, in my pandemic life. I feel like I'm just doing the same things over and over again. And I want more, I I feel like I'm not learning Mm. enough. I don't know if you feel similarly. Yes, I do. (laughs) Well, good news with our sponsor this week, the great courses plus you can have all kinds of aha moments because they've got thousands of courses that are with, you know, the Nate, the world's top teachers. Um, and one we're going through this week, I actually thought had a pretty good aha moment. Yes, we are 
working our way through the course, The Holy Land Revealed. It's uh, taught by Professor Jody Magnus, who's an archaeologist, but she brings a very uh, deeply religious and historical lens to to the Holy Land, the place where Jesus wa- walked in before him. Um, you know, the the land of the scriptures uh, that's just so steeped in history and is especially important in this time of Lent. Well, and speaking of Jesus walking and water, for that matter, <laughs> my big aha moment was about the Sea of Galilee. So it, first of all, that it is, it's the same as Lake Tiberias. So if you see either of those mentioned in the gospel, same place. Also, just I, and I encountered this when I you know was there. The sea is really just a basically the size of a of a small Wisconsin lake, as I would put it. Which I don't know. I had always imagined this vast ocean that you couldn't see the other side of. Um, that's not true. Which I think was a big aha moment for me because it really just made me think that Jesus would understand my Midwestern roots a little bit more, right? So maybe he can also connect with things like Ohio State football and hot dishes. Yes. I'm sure he could. (laughs) But listeners, if you want to have your own aha moments, check out The Great Courses Plus. And you can get a whole month of the courses for free when you sign up and go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Jesuitical. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash Jesuitical. And now we've got Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. What's our first story, Zach? So there's a decent chance that if you're following Catholic news in some way, you've probably saw some headlines this week along the lines of uh, Catholic bishops warn against using the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And we wanted to provide a little bit of context for these statements and also offer a, a, a bit of a rebuttal to them. Right. So in late February, the Food and Drug Administration approved the Johnson & Johnson one-shot COVID vaccine. Um, And it was in response to this news that a couple of dioceses and some bishops, but not all of them, put out statements expressing concern about the vaccine's connection to abortion and said, if given the choice, Catholics should avoid the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and opt for a shot from Pfizer or Moderna. Right. And to recap a little bit, back in December, um, responding to concerns about Pfizer and Moderna, the same bishop said that the connection to abortion was so remote uh, that given the health crisis is so grave at the moment, Catholics should uh, receive the vaccine in good conscience. Not only they, they, they can, but they should, right? Um, they said that the vaccine ought to be understood as an act of charity towards other members in our community. Right. So what is the difference between Moderna and Pfizer versus Johnson and Johnson? Um, it's very it, it's pretty nuanced and um, hard to parse. But basically, Moderna and Pfizer, those vaccines used um, cell lines that were derived from aborted fetuses back in the 1970s um, for the testing of the vaccine, whereas the Johnson and Johnson vaccine used those same type of cell lines that are connected to abortion um, in a pretty remote way still, but in the production of the vaccine, not just the testing, which makes, you know, what they would call the cooperation with the evil of abortion a little bit closer with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Given that, their argument is, if you have the choice, go with the ones that, you know, the, where the co- cooperation is a little bit more remote. Right. And I want to say a couple things pretty clearly here. First is that Catholic teaching still says you can take you can take the Johnson Johnson one, particularly given the circumstances we find ourselves in. Also, I know that most people are not given a choice whether of what vaccine they can choose. It is not as if you can walk in and say, I would like this one, please. 
the other thing I want to say is that like this is a very nuanced approach and co- complex, and it's trying it's like leading front and center the intricacies of Catholic moral reasoning, and it is not necessarily a bad thing that. Catholic moral reasoning or Catholic social teaching is nuanced and complex. In fact, I think it is a good thing and helps us from becoming fundamentalist about certain approaches, right? Yeah. But when you lead with the nuance um, in the middle of a crisis, when like our number one priority is getting people vaccinated in order to save lives, um, I, I guess that can be what you think is problematic I mean, it, <laughs> it, it is not it is problematic and it's and it's counterproductive just given the, uh, you know, w- which we've acknowledged before as a church that this situation is so serious that the number one priority is getting people vaccinated so that we can save lives. Right. Um, and I think I hope that the lesson learned from this is that, you know, none of these statements are theologically inaccurate or but. There is a huge messaging problem that I think is not being I don't think the bishops would have liked the, this message to be received the way it did. Um, but I hope what they can take away and hopefully they correct is that lives are on the line. We, we shouldn't be mincing words. We need to be as clear as possible to not confuse people, because the fact of the matter is you can take all three of these vaccines in good conscience. What's our next story, Ashley? So if you're listening to this on Friday, it is the first day of Pope Francis's three day pilgrimage in Iraq, which is a pretty huge deal. Um, It's the first time that a pope has ever been there, and it's the first trip the pope has taken since the pandemic began. Right. And there are a lot of reasons that uh, Pope Francis could not be going right now. Um, There's there have been concerns, obviously, number one, with the pandemic. Right. Even though Francis and everyone he's traveling with has been vaccinated, um, the population of Iraq is largely not vaccinated and the pandemic is still spreading there pretty intensely. Another reason, like there's there's also been an increase in violence. And so lots of people are just trying to say to the Pope, maybe just wait, do this later. But he is pretty insistent on going this weekend right now. Yeah. So rather than try to unpack all of this ourselves, we wanted to share a clip um, from our friends on the Inside the Vatican podcast for really for the past month have been doing a very intensive deep dive into into this trip, into Pope Francis's motivations um, for going and for uh, what it means for the Iraqi people who are you know, very excited that they're they're having a visit from the Pope. Um, and so in this clip, you'll hear from one of those people. Rochelle is a, a Catholic student living in Iraq. Her family was displaced by ISIS and is now, you know, returning to the re- region under really difficult circumstances. Um, and it's exactly people like Rochelle that Pope Francis is going to visit and hoping to, you know, remind them that they have not been forgotten by the church or the rest of the world. Like during very few hours, we left our houses for three years and no one imagined that would happen. And we didn't, we didn't know what, what happened exactly. All the bombs were around us. And the, the, when we went to the checkpoints, like so many people you will see around the roads without eating, without, even we did not have a water to drink. And then we found our, ourselves that we are sleeping in the street. Rochelle's family is one of a few that have returned to Karakosh, but it hasn't been easy. They only have electricity and hot water for a few hours a day. So it's nearly impossible for Rochelle, who's a computer science major, to imagine a future for herself there. Which means she could be part of a larger exodus of young people. Almost 40% of Iraqis are under the age of 15. 
Their entire lives have been framed by intense conflict. And since 2014, when ISIS invaded the Nineveh Plain, three quarters of the Christians have fled the country. Most aren't planning to return. But not everyone could escape. Actually, I, I'm, I'm living here in Ankau alone because of my studying. My father cannot leave uh, uh, his town, even my grandparents. So it is very difficult for them to leave their towns. But see, we don't have many opportunities there. That's a big reason Pope Francis wants to visit, to encourage the Christians who remain and give them hope. Francis is going to Iraq because he said there are many courageous people there. America's Vatican correspondent Gerard O'Connell puts it this way. The bishops, the priests who didn't abandon the people in the midst of the persecution, the people who stayed, the people who are so poor that they couldn't even try or think of leaving the country. And he feels they're kindred spirits, and he's going in there to really encourage them to endorse their choice and to commend them for their great courage and to console them because so many have lost so many people. And he wants to remind them, you know, that after the crucifixion, there's a resurrection. That was the Inside the Vatican podcast. Hop over to their feed to listen to the rest of that really excellent overview of this trip. And you can follow along all weekend and after the fact of this historic trip by Pope Francis. Head over to americamag.org slash Iraq 2021. americamag.org slash Iraq 2021 for full coverage of Pope Francis's visit to Iraq. And now stick around for our conversation with Tracy G. Joining us here in Brooklyn is Tracy G. She is an on-air personality for Sirius XM's Sway in the Morning and the host of the podcast, She's Beauty and the Beast. Welcome to Jesuitical, Tracy. Hey! Hey! <laughs> what do you do, It's going well. We want to start, I think, um, talking about some of your incredible audio vision boards that you put out. And specifically, we're hoping to maybe play a little bit of... Your one of your more recent ones, Forced to Flow, um, just so our listeners can get a feel for it. Let's um, do it. And then we'll have a quick conversation about that. Yeah. You know that surrender is what allows your inner child to grasp the hand of God. I know that surrender is what allows my inner child to grasp the hand of God. You are learning to welcome both lessons in the night and blessings in the light. I'm learning to welcome both lessons in the night and blessings in the light. Like every seed knows, you too know that even in stillness, a movement can dwell within. Like every seed knows, I too know that even in stillness, a movement can dwell within. You are the seed, the soil, the weight, the rain, the growth, the sun, the stem, the fruit, you are all. 
So you wrote that this was for the overwhelmed soul whose plans got replaced with worry, improvement fatigue, and too many damn Zoom calls, which I is like basically everyone I know right now. (laughs) Right. Basically, man. Listen, 2020 was so many things. I, I do my best to be respectful and not just give 2021 adjective, you know? I feel mm-hmm. so seduced to just be like, it was trippy or it was terrible or whatever. But I'm like, one thing that I'm always saying um, to myself and then also sharing with others is that God's fingerprints are on everything, you know? And so how could I dare call 2020 um, an unnecessary chapter only a burden? You know what I mean? There's so many mm-hmm. ands and um, just commas that can be mm. placed when it comes to 2020 to really give it its full justice. But of course the overwhelming feeling was just that overwhelm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I think it was also a place where I felt grateful to have the work I've been doing. And like one of the key things um, as a recovering undercover over controller has been (laughs) surrender, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel like this year, you know, there's always times in our lives where we, we tell ourselves that we can practice, you know, giving up control and surrendering. Um, but this really felt like, look, if you, if you have to do it this, this past year, because otherwise you're just going to drive yourself crazy or get super frustrated trying to, to, to control what's happening because so much of it is, is just exterior. Mm-hmm. Right. Are you, or what are the things you're doing to try and carry these lessons forward or what was super helpful maybe this year learning to let go? Yeah. Is honestly journaling about all I received when I did let go. It's interesting to me that as humans, we say we love miracles, right? Like a good surprise. Like one of my favorite places in all the United States is definitely Six Flags. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Which is all about thrill, right? Mm-hmm. And an essential aspect of thrill is surrender, <laughs> right? Mm, an essential yeah. ingredient of a miracle is surrender. You can't see it coming. You feel me? And yeah. so I did probably the most journaling that I have ever done in my life last year. And it was just like, okay, Tracy, like, what was the the pot of gold that you like tripped over in all of your lives? You know, whether it was the way that I met my best friend, the way that I met my partner, the way I stumbled upon this apartment, you know what I mean? Like even just cute ass little like um, bakeries and cafes where I just went for an afternoon stroll and I was like, oh shoot, you're here? I walked here all the time and I'm just now noticing you. And so that level of inventory is what built up my faith in surrender as a strength, surrender as a strategy. Right. And then you have this other line, gratitude will float me above any flood. And it sounds like there was a connection between the the surrender and and realizing what you're grateful for in, in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm just like, okay. If you're looking for, if you really, really like Ashley, let's just say you come to me and you're like, Tracy, I really, really need a dollar. You're going to Zach, like, I need a dollar, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I got four quarters. 
and you say nah. <laughs> or <Jack's> like, <laughs> I got 10 dimes, but you're like, nah, because you're so obsessed with having a dollar bill. Mm. But if you really want a dollar, then you're able to take it in however form it can be quantified, right? And so to take that and put it into into real life, it's okay. Let's take let's take my apartment, <laughs> where the number of times where I just felt like these walls were way too close, and I was like, "Back up, bro!" Like it's just too much, <laughs> and I became so obsessed looking all the time at like new apartments and like humongous apartments and not to say that I shouldn't um, want that and that I can't be in that or that's not in my future. But because I was so obsessed with that, any other form of like expansiveness was out of the question. Mm -hmm. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Like forgetting that just going outside (laughs) which I absolutely could do as long as I'm masked up. Of course, there's fine print to everything, definitely fine print during a pandemic, but that can make me feel expansive, right? My practice of yoga, you know, the asanas can have me feel expansive. There's so many different ways. And during a pandemic, if you're really looking for a dollar, then you might need to pick up a hundred pennies, right? Yeah. But a hundred pennies, nonetheless, (laughs) (laughs) will equal the value of a dollar. And so I just had to start looking at everything that was right in front of me, you know, beside me, um, behind me that I never took a second to turn around and be like, wow, thank you for holding my back. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And I feel like we should emphasize for our non-New York listeners that it does take a true spiritual master (laughs) to look at a New York apartment (laughs) and say, you know what? These walls are not too close. (laughs) So I just want to I just want to double down on that. Um, but, yeah. and, you know, we every episode of this show, we try to talk about, you know, where we found God in our lives where it was harder. And, and, and gratitude is just such an an essential ingredient in that. Yeah. Right. Um, but sometimes it's real hard. It Like oh, yeah. part of the like pandemic, I feel like is been so I'll be, I'll be honest, I never really understood what anxiety was mm-hmm. until until this year. Um, and it's given me a lot of empathy for people like just, you know, like physical manifestations of like just worry and what's going on. And it can be really like easy to just like spiral and think about just like get get lost in your head a little bit. Mm-hmm. So y- you mentioned journaling. Um, what were some of the other things that, you know, brought you out of yourself? Uh, vitamin D. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like, here's the thing. These are things are going to sound basic. But again, sometimes like the primitive like mind is just thinking that I'm not saying this is always the case, but sometimes it's making, it's magnifying the problem. Like literally before I jumped on this podcast with y'all, I I texted my boyfriend. I was like, I'm not feeling well. Yada. You know what I mean? And my Mm. brain's like, wait a minute, is it COVID blah, blah, blah. And I had to remind myself, I'm like, Trace, did you have, what has been your water count today? Yeah. Did you get any vitamin D? You know what I mean? This is not just, oh, it's beautiful outside. Let me, no, like I am a human. Mm-hmm. I am tethered to nature. I am not separate from nature. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. Like absorbing vitamin D can be such a mood booster. Outside of that, then this might take in the form of me doing some breath work. Sometimes this may take the form of me really just saying, you know what, Tracy, 
Let's just cry. Let's see what crying for 15 minutes does. <laughs> um, also like physical touch, paying attention to what my love languages are and not necessarily physical touch where it's like, okay, Carl, that's my boyfriend. Come here and love up on me, even though that's, that's dope. But Carl got things going on too. Um, mm-hmm. I need to be able to take care of myself without the requirement of another heartbeat. You know what I mean? How can I provide for myself? So then maybe that means instead of just taking, you know, after a shower and just putting on lotion any other way, I really make it into a mindful practice. You know what I'm saying? Like when's the last time anyone like gave a damn about their elbow or about like their pinky finger? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so a lot of what you describe, um, your practices would maybe fall under the category of wellness. You've described yourself as a wellness artist. Um, it's like it can be a loaded term. Like there can be excesses in self care that can, you know, go in un- unhealthy directions. So how how do you define wellness? Mm-hmm. To me, wellness is about welcoming your imperfections and your flaws and gifting them with curiosity. <laughs> Mm. Gift, gifting them to who to yourself yeah to god yeah mm-hmm. but i mean like gifting your imperfections with curiosity your own curiosity because a lot of times when it comes to our imperfections and our flaws what do we want to do we just want to dispose of them right we don't believe that they have a story that's worth unpacking a story that has value it's just like how do i get rid of this blah blah blah, blah. even like I have like these, um, a lot of gray hairs now. (laughs) Embrace it. That's what I'm telling myself. (laughs) And I really been wondering, I'm like, Hey guys, so should I put a coat on y'all, you know, like a black coat (laughs) (laughs) or or should I just let you rock out with the attire you came to this party with? And (laughs) I just started like thinking to myself, well, you know what? You guys are proof that I have made it through so much. So much. Yeah. And I think about these 30 plus years and and I feel so young. It kind of feels like I'm 21, but I would even want to be back at 21. That's actually not enough life for me. <laughs> no. You know what definitely I mean? Not. To like Absolutely make not. the choice no. to go back. I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, hate on 21-year-olds. But I mean like <laughs> to make the choice to pedal to pedal um backwards. So yeah, that's what wellness is to me. It's welcoming um, the many layers to you to see what story they have to share. Well, I really like that. I guess we both (laughs) do actually. (laughs) I was going to say, I really, I like that definition because I do like struggle with wellness or self-care I like I don't know I think I was just raised in a family where like my mom like didn't wear makeup and didn't get her nails done and thought all that was kind of like frou-frou nonsense and so like I didn't have a skincare routine until a month ago when my sister finally like got me a lotion and a serum because I turned 30 (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but like what it sounds like in your definition of wellness is is not having a the right perfect skincare routine uh, or or perfect yoga practice at all. It's mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, like you said about gifting gifting weak, weaknesses, which is yeah. like just such a different way to think about it. Right. I think I feel like it's about um, alchemy 
And so much can go under that umbrella because it's really about transformation. Um, and it can be transformation through your perspective. You know, that's definitely a part of wellness in, in my opinion. It could be transformation with your skin as well. Because for a lot of people, maybe that does transform um, their emotions or just how they see themselves, how they present themselves to the world, how they present themselves to themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not here to judge. I know some people who are like, oh, um, that we shouldn't call like self-care is really about soul work. Like that's really body care or whatever. And like, listen, especially as women, we have enough voices that have been trying to define us. Like who the hell am I to say? <laughs> like, especially because anything can be ritualized. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so for some people, maybe their self-care, um, the, the gateway is skincare, Right. Because that's when they're finally able to, instead of just moving at the speed of light all the time, like slow down and do something. And maybe that's when they're like, oh, shoot. Thank you, cheekbones. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what, like you, you, like a lot of um, practices with self-care, whatever it is, it does all have the common factor of slowing you down. Right. Yeah. A bubble bath can slow you down. And sometimes when... And it, and it doesn't end there. There's endless possibilities, right? Like that's after bubble, bubble bath. It's not a period. But sometimes allowing yourself to feel comfortable then opens up the door for you to have uncomfortable conversations. Hmm. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my friend Debbie Brown was speaking about this recently and I thought it was such a good example. Like when you go to your hairdresser or you go to like the barber and it's so crazy how, you know, a lot of people just end up dispelling a lot of, information about their personal life. Why? It's not because they got this great salesman in their scalp. It's because they feel really comfortable. It's very soothing to have someone's like hands like in your hair. And you don't even realize it because your shoulders have melted away from your ears that that was the prerequisite for you now to start sharing. Right? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's a really good segue to something I wanted to ask you about, because one of the things I've fallen into is thinking that I can, like, self-care my way out of some problems that really, at the end of the day, like, I need I need help from the community, whatever yeah, level yeah, 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 we're facts. talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you strike that approach? Or when do you, how do you figure out when, you know, this is something that you know, I can, I can do, I can go through my practice, my ritual. Mm-hmm. On, on the other hand, I'm just like, I just need to go to, you know, whether it's my partner or a friend or even be like anonymous in a crowd or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I need some type of social community care. In this past year when it's, you know, there are so many friends we've been unable to see. What, yeah. what have you learned about, about keeping those relationships, um, staying present to people when you, you really can't do another zoom call. (laughs) It's difficult. It's really difficult. And I think it begins with being honest about where I'm at and knowing that I cannot bring my fullest friend self. And I know this has been said all the time, but listen, sometimes I have to fill myself up, but I remind myself that I'm filling myself up, not to hoard the energy, but literally so I can pour it back out. Sometimes I'll send a message 
because I may not have a lot of bandwidth to have a full conversation, but I don't allow that to stop me from sharing love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I can send the messages of love, but then also on Fridays, Friday is my designated day to hit people back. Hmm. Friday is when I just like clock in (laughs) and kind of just batch a lot of um, conversations. And then I'm also someone who is trying to like design her life around her cycle, you know? So even like I'm speaking to you guys, what during my follicular cycle. So I know that I have a lot, well, phase, I should say, um, one phase of a four part cycle. And so I know that I have a lot more energy in my follicular phase, um, in my ovulation phase. So do I do, I'm like, well, let's schedule this podcast now. You know what I mean? And then when I have less energy, I'm like, let's do something else in my life instead of acting as if my body is functioning the same (laughs) every single day. That's not how that works. Like my hormones as a woman are just not like that. It's a completely different rhythm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like trying to work with your body instead of against it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you remind me of uh, something that my father-in-law said to me on my wedding day, which was that, you know, we had a we had a pretty big wedding. It was right before the world ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's like the, one of the last fun things we, we got to do. But there were like 200, 300 people there. And he said, like, look, you're going to feel obligated to talk to everybody because you care about these people yeah. that came to support you. And he's like, all right, do the math. If you spent two minutes with each person, like how many minutes is that? It's like, okay, 600. It's like, no, that's, that's like 10 hours. <laughs> there's, there's literally not enough yeah. time here. And you got to just know that people are going to be okay with that. Right. They want to support you. Um, so just go dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, nonverbal communication. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I think that's something I try to like remind myself, especially during the pandemic when everyone's just like, it's like, okay, we're, we're all surviving. And that's, that's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, people are going to be like, just be gentle with yourself and with other people. Mm-hmm. And like friendships are weird right now. They are weird. And you know what else has helped me too? Like, especially as I'm surrounding my, surrounded by all of these plants. And as I'm sure you guys have seen, you know, metaphors are a big part of the way I, I speak <laughs> And all of these plants require different amounts of watering. You know, a snake plant is going to die if I water it on the daily, right? And when I don't, it actually mm-hmm. thrives. Like my best friend, we don't speak on the daily. She's definitely a snake plant, like a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not me like guessing either. Like I've, I've mm-hmm. asked her, what is your ideal frequency for communication like in our friendship? you know, and she likes to take a a lot of time to recharge. It's not like a required thing. She can feel me. She can see me in my social, whatever. But then I have another friend who's more so like a fern, you know, and it's important to her. She feels like her life is moving all the time where she doesn't like when she speaks to someone who she considers a good friend and like a lot of time has passed. And then she has to go into like a big ass novel as to what (laughs) happened, right? And we Mm -hmm. had to speak about how to meet in the middle, right? Because I I can't speak every single day, um, literally because there's just some days where I have to completely recharge. I'm just not going to be able to give it to you. 
Um, but those conversations have helped me to understand my friends a lot more and then equally important for them to understand me. So that way, if I'm not present, like, you know, texting back right away, or you haven't heard me in a couple of days, you can go back to that conversation and be like, oh yes, this is not personal. Mm. I love that metaphor. My best friend and myself are both cactuses or cacti. And so <laughs> being able to name that is actually really helpful. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And what type of uh, plant are you, Tracy? I would say I would say I'm a snake plant. I'm not as I'm not yeah. as much as a as a cacti. Um, but I would say I'm a snake plant. Yeah. I think that's right. That's the only plant I can keep alive in my apartment. So <laughs> I guess that's why this podcast is working, <laughs> Ashley. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, definitely, man. I'm definitely a, a snake plant. But, um, but also, the the thing that is helpful about social media is it gives us more ways to show that I see you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sending here. memes and whatnot. Yeah. I feel like, like that is how I communicate with a lot of my friends. They're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. look at this adorable cat. Because <laughs> <laughs> my, my friend that's a fern, the way she broke it down, it's not that, you know, every day she needs to just like download all of her feelings to me, right? It's not that. It's mm-hmm. just she likes to just have some type of interaction more frequently. Whether it is, like you said, Ash, sending a, a meme. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I see her tweet. Just, just, some, just something. And there's many different ways to just say, hey, say, hey you crossed my mind. Yeah. So we are um, recording this. We're still kind of in the new year, I, I, I think, right? Like, I wouldn't say happy new year to someone, but I would still <laughs> say that we're in the You know in the what? New year. Honestly, that I would. <laughs> looking, at, looking at what happened last year, nah. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying happy it's new true. year until December 31st. <laughs> That's fair. That's true. That's true. Um, so we're in a we're in a period of resolutions. People are still setting them. Um, they probably haven't quit their gym membership yet, or whatever the you know quarantine equivalent is. Um, and you know, for Catholics and for lots of other Christians, we're going to be releasing this during the season of Lent, which is you know similar. And you know, we're making different types of commitments. Um, first off, are you a are you a big intention setter or yeah, goal setter? I would say so. That was my guess too. Yeah, and, and um, I like that you said intention versus um, the resolutions. Yeah. H- how do you, w- well, first, could you break down the difference between those? Yeah. Well, I feel like intention is more about what my core desired feelings are. And then those feelings can take, sh- take shape in a variety of actions. And I feel like a resolution is very, very specific and so just for me, if I don't do that specific thing, then the chances of me now having negative self-talk are high. So like mm-hmm. example, a resolution could be, uh, I want to work out every day, right? I want to do like, I don't know, TRX or something every single day. An intention would be, I want to feel energized, right? And so energized can take on many different looks, Energized could be like what I did earlier, which is going for a walk around my block, right? And I have energy from that level of movement. And then also from um, the sun, energized might be for Ashley. I'm going to take a nap right now because I need it. Energized (laughs) just allows me to say I'm going to pay attention to my body. (laughs) 
And my body may be telling me either movement or rest, which funny enough, you actually need both to be fit, <laughs> which could then help yeah. that person who wants to work out or lose whatever pounds, like movement and rest are, are both necessary versus like, say, if I beat myself up because I said, I'm going to run five miles every day. And then the one day I can't run five miles, I end up doing nothing because I was only, this goes back to that dollar and the four quarters and the 10 dimes, right? <laughs> I was, oh, I was so hooked on only doing the five miles that I didn't even allow myself to just walk, which to me is definitely a, a deposit in the wellness bank. <laughs> oh yeah. I love this because this is perfect for, if we could pivot into just like, I mean, the analogies are seem obvious, but just kind of naming them yeah, like yeah, in a yeah. spiritual context. Like when it comes to Lent, I'm always like, all right, I'm gonna, you know, pray every day or I'm going to pray. I'm going to do these specific actions mm -hmm. that are going to, and really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, you know, A, get closer to God, be a little bit more merciful as a person, um, be kinder. Mm -hmm. But instead, what inevitably happens is halfway through Lent, I'm like, well, I did that maybe like three days out of, you know, the 20. So might as well just drop it and I'm going to feel bad about myself and, you know, we'll try again next year. <laughs> Whereas... <laughs> Right. Whereas I really like this idea of naming your desires and but also like understanding what the tools are. Right. Like and I think that's where the resolution we talk. We focus too much on what the tool is mm -hmm. to get us to this desire fulfillment. Mm -hmm. um, but it is important to, you know, know what's in your toolbox. Yes, I, think. I agree. I completely agree. And for everything that you mentioned, um, it's interesting because then I would say the challenge is, well, Zach. Be kind to yourself. <laughs> right. Be merciful to yourself. <laughs> and I think practicing um, our godliness, you know, being more like God, uh, the hardest part for humans is the forgiveness aspect, I think. For a lot of us, anyway. I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone, <laughs> but... <sighs> I'd, I'd say it on behalf of yeah. everyone. That seems pretty <laughs> universal. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Humility is also a good thing, Zach, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll work on that later. <laughs> oh, uh, do you mind if I say one more thing? Yeah, no, please. I think it's also remembering what you like. I think we're in a culture where we're all very aware of what we hate. <laughs> like, you go on Twitter, everyone can speak at length. It can give me 21 tweets minimum about what they hate. And then yep. what they like, it's crazy how for so many of us, we're stumped. There's like a long pause, you know, and that's okay if no, well, it's, it's, it's okay no matter what, because wherever we are in life is where, is where we're meant to be. Right. But I think it's even better. It can go from okay to good. If we look at that as an opportunity for self-exploration. And so I realized also Tracy is kinder when she has a lot of lemon around her. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Tracy is kinder when like her favorite um, hot cinnamon tea <laughs> is, is, <laughs> is around her. Tracy, Tracy is kinder. Like I finally found like uh, there's, there's a Dr. Bronner. You guys use Dr. Bronner for your body wash at all? Oh yeah. The, the, the smells are great. Which, what's your favorite though? The almond. Oh. <laughs> the almond. And like, so there's, there's all of these different things that I don't think we're paying attention to. I think we're saying it's so hard for me to be kind because 
I can't stand this job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there have been many times where I've been like, I don't like this. But then I realize, oh, shoot, I can find God in here if if I have my lemon water. If I wake up at 530 <laughs> and speak to God, if I have my Dr. Bronner's almond, I actually am able to deal with you a little bit more <laughs> until it's time for me to go to my next assignment instead of yeah. just being dismissive while I'm here. Yeah. And then if I'm dismissive while I'm here, I'm not trusting God, at least for me. I'm thinking God is always like somewhere else and God is not right here. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. And it's a great place to end for this podcast. We, we're we affiliated with the Jesuits whose kind of catchphrase is finding God in all things. Um, so you've definitely helped us do that today and we're so grateful for it. Um, but we do have one last question for you that we asked uh, all of our guests, uh, which is if you could canonize one person, Catholic or not, living or dead, fictional or real, who would it be and why? Ha! Elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right. yeah? G- give us the pitch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Elizabeth Gilbert is my Angelina Jolie, and I am her adopted black child. <laughs> 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 For those who are unfamiliar with her, you're probably familiar with her book turned movie, Eat, Pray, Love. Um, but she's just put out so many different works that have just touched me in ways where I'm like, huh? And her level of honesty at every step in her chapter in her life is so empowering. And she just has this softness, this like beauty. I, I really believe that she's really going to heaven. You know, I'm not sure if there's, there's I'm well, no, I am sure that there are folks like me who carry like different um, religious beliefs all at, all at once and it may not make sense to others, and I, and I get it. <laughs> but for me, somehow, it, it does make sense. And I'm so proud to not only be the recipient of her work, but but to be alive during the time when she's creating her work. Yeah. It's like, what a treat. <laughs> like, there's there's so many people, you know, I was earlier this morning, I was reading um, The Prophet from Khalil Gibran and... That book is, I don't even know how, whatever hundreds of years old. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person writing this never thought this black girl in Brooklyn in 2021 would be crying (laughs) at the prose, would be feeling so heard and felt and seen and like affirmed in her belief in God through their work. Like he wasn't thinking about me (laughs) ever. I was definitely not his core demographic. <laughs> but the but the book is so is so evergreen and, and and I'm grateful for that. I don't I don't need to have been in an auditorium of Khalil Gibran in the in the flesh. But the fact that I got to be in an auditorium and see Liz Gilbert in the flesh and like really have it confirmed like through her energy, like oh my gosh, this 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 woman is who I feel her to be. That's so beautiful. And we don't focus enough on the saints that we get to like spend time with in the here and now. Um, That was so heartfelt. Um, Tracy, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing some wisdom with us. Um, What do you want to plug right now? Mm. There's so much going on and there's so much great work and we'll link to your, to your site and podcast. Oh, I thank you. Well, this, this has really made me feel energized. I feel so good being in conversation with y'all. So thank you so much for inviting me, Zach Ashley. Thank you for all the listeners who lent me their ears and their attention for this episode. Um, Yeah. And if anything, 
that I shared resonated with you, then I definitely invite you to go to my site, she'sbeautyandthebeast.com, or it might be easier for you to remember it's tracyg.com and to really sign up for my newsletter. That is probably the most intimate space for me on the web. And I have other offerings as well. If you don't want to be in that type of committed relationship, the audio vision <laughs> boards, um, you heard the preview earlier, but you can get all of that. Also, uh, my blog is on there as well. My podcast, She's BD and the Beast, which is very much these types of conversations as well. So yeah. There's many different ways you can get a slice of the Tracy G pie. Love it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again. And hopefully we, we can do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you both. You believe there is room for everybody to feel everything. I believe there is room for everybody to feel everything. Your peace is a weapon of mass construction. My peace is a weapon of mass construction. You open and seal every day with appreciation. I open and seal every day with appreciation. Because in the stormiest of hours, you know gratitude will float you above any blood. Because in the stormiest of hours, I know gratitude will float me above any flood. You trust that all the chapters in your life connect to create a story worth telling. And now it's time for some housekeeping. What do we have this week, Zach? So first up, we want to say huge thank you to the new members of our Patreon community. We want to shout out this week, uh, Justin Coppa and Jared Favoli. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We can't do it without you. So if you want to join them, you can visit patreon.com slash America Media. We also wanted to give you a heads up about a prayer service that America Media will be sharing next Friday, March 12th. As you know, this March marks the one-year anniversary of the COVID pandemic. Um, And to mark that anniversary and to remember the lives that have been lost over the past year, America Media is sharing a live prayer service. Um, It's going to be next Friday, March 12th at noon. Uh, You can follow along on YouTube and Facebook and at americamagazine.org. We'll share all that information in the uh, show notes. Um, But if you're looking for a way to... Um, Mark, this past year, we we encourage you to join us. And now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God in our lives this week and where it was harder to find God. What do you have, Zach? I have a pretty fun one this week. Uh, I uh, don't do this often, but it it is true that God comes to us in in pop culture. Uh, And this week, uh, this past weekend, uh, my wife Amanda and I finished, started and finished watching Ted Lasso, um, which (laughs) if you haven't gotten on that train yet, definitely get on it. But one of the recurring themes throughout the show, everyone talks about how, you know, good it makes you feel when you watch it. And it is just sort of irresistibly good and and positive. But uh, a recurring theme is that this soccer team has a slogan that's the hope that it's the hope that kills you. And sort of the the thrust of the show is, you know, putting in a good word for hope. Uh, And, you know, both that and the feeling of hopefulness, like right after getting done watching it, um, 
I don't know if that coming at the same time as like the weather starting to warm up as we hear about more vaccines getting approved. I've noticed a trend in my prayer life that whenever I have a have an emotion, like I need to give myself permission to feel it and bring it to God. Um, there's always this like evil spirit lurking that's like, uh, oh, you're, you're feeling hopeful. Well, you shouldn't because of X, Y, and Z. And God's offering permission for me to feel the things I'm feeling. And Ted Lasso this week helped me uh, feel hopeful. And so that was a, that was a great consolation brought, brought to me by, uh, Apple TV. So thank you. Uh, I love it. You've definitely convinced me that I need to start watching yes, that. Yes, hundred percent. Though uh, it takes me like months to watch even short TV shows. So I'll talk to you in, sure in the summer when I finish. Sure because you're a better person, but I really don't understand it. Um, so what do you have this week, uh, Ashley? Uh, you had a fun one. I have a kind of embarrassing one, but it's also a consolation. Um, so at mass on Sunday, I was like there right at six o'clock. So I like snuck in, kind of sat near the back, which is not usually my spot. But from that perch, I could see that they were like three like youngish men, not with anyone else in the church who I'd never seen before. And I was like, hmm. Love, love where this is going. <laughs> And so I was like, yeah, interesting. Um, and to be honest, I found myself a little bit distracted throughout the mass. Um, like being like, oh, should I like talk to them after mass and like welcome them to the parish? Blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't know. Welcome to <laughs> welcome them to the parish. Love it. Yeah. So, Quote unquote. but like, so during, during the mass, I, I would usually you know, I had the first instinct of like, all right, Ashley, like pay attention, stop getting distracted, uh, like focus on the Eucharist. Um, but I think because of, I don't know, some of the conversations we've been having about prayer on the show recently about, you know, paying attention to distractions and paying attention to, you know, desires. And instead of just kind of trying to squash those, uh, bringing them to God, I was able to do that. So, you know, instead of this just being a story about me checking out cute guys at mass, it became a conversation <laughs> about to God about like, okay, so like, why is this happening? You know, there's something happening here. Like maybe I'm, you know, in a place in my life where I know this is what I want and I'm more open to doing it. And so, I don't know. It was just like, I was a little bit less harsh on <laughs> on my distracted brain and it actually opened up a conversation with God that I feel like I wouldn't have had in the past if I had been more judgmental of myself. <laughs> so. <laughs> Good. I'm, that is my I, I'm glad because, yeah, it's a, it's a, I think there's the connection, which is just letting yourself feel the things you're feeling. Like God is, God's not, those aren't distractions, you know, put there to be obstacles to God always. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't subject you to uh, giving further details in front of our entire audience, but uh, I will ask for them later to, to see how this uh, story concludes. Yeah, and guy in the seventh row at St. Boniface, you know, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> you know where to find us. <laughs> All right, I'm getting us out of here before I embarrass myself further. Judge Whittacle is produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Faith Formation provided by Father Eric Sundrup. You can follow us on Twitter at Judge Whittacle Show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Judge Whittacle. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review. Judge Whittacle is a production of America Media in New York City. For America Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis. We'll see you next week.
Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into scripture? If so, you're in luck, because every day there's a new scripture reflection from the thoughtful staff at America Media, thinking through big questions together, like, what do Catholics believe about guardian angels? And what can Gen Zers take away from the Gospels? If you're already a subscriber, you can access these reflections in your email inbox or on our website. If you'd like to become a digital subscriber, it's easy to do. Just visit americamagazine.org slash subscribe, and you'll have full access to America's scripture reflections.